Alright, hello, hello everyone. Welcome back to a very special episode of the Good, the Bad, and the Boys podcast. I hope you've been enjoying the last two weeks of time loop movies and the boys' search for the meaning of life. Uh, No better place to find it than on a movie podcast, in my opinion. Uh, We've got a very special episode for you today. Figured we'd top off our time loop movie discussion with uh, with an existential crisis. Nothing better than that. Uh, we got our good friend Landon. Uh, he's a literature major and a student of philosophy, I suppose. <laughs> Someone we thought was very fit to join in on discussion of, of today's movie Palm Springs, uh, starring Andy Samberg and Christina Melodi. Palm Springs is a movie about a young woman who, on the day of her sister's wedding, gets trapped in an infinite time loop with another guest at the wedding who has been there for presumably millions of years <laughs> and has completely given up and just given himself to to the day to the day to same day existence of being in a time loop an inescapable time loop and the movie just sort of explores what that does to a person and the shenanigans that ensue because of that it's a movie that we think sort of encapsulates the consequences <laughs> of the time loop genre the best and explores just about every philosophy you can think of at least everyone that has to do with uh life being meaningless but we'll get into that anyway uh this is landon and the boys in our discussion about palm springs philosophy the meaning of existence and uh you, you know isaac's gonna bring up star wars it's just that's just no question <laughs> okay hope you enjoy we're live What's up, King? Shall we begin? Hey. Yeah, I suppose to start, why don't you tell the audience, uh, the audience being my mother, yeah. a little bit about yourself. Okay. Hi, Shelly. <laughs> <laughs> Hope you're doing well. <laughs> what makes you qualified to do this? Wow. Uh, what makes me... I don't have any genuine qualifications. Um, Perfect. I'm a student at UCCS. I'm, this is my final semester before I finish undergrad. And I'm pursuing a uh, major in literature, but I have a passion for philosophy. So amazing. Um, yeah, I've, I study a lot of philosophy in my free time. Uh, some things I like to do for fun is watch college lectures on uh, YouTube just to learn a bit more. Um, yeah. Boring. Really nice. no, <laughs> <laughs> I'm a nerd, you know? That's <laughs> cool. Yeah, we, we figured you were um, the man for this job. Here we are just watching shitty uh, Palm Springs. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Well, I'm familiar with <laughs> with your guys' work. <laughs> I don't know if you saw on one of the videos, I commented That's I was horrible. all like, great content, unsubscribed or something like oh, that. Oh, that was you. That was yeah. you. Oh, all oh, right. Man. I was wondering who that was. That's nice. Oh, man. <laughs> Thank you so yeah. much. No problem. I'm still support. subscribed, you know. Oh, good. Okay, yeah. that's that's two that's two audience members you introduced yourself to then. Heck yeah! Wow. <laughs> yeah, I guess so. <laughs> cool, cool. Um, nice. So yeah, so the format is: Are we just gonna only talk about Palm Springs? Uh, Palm Springs, the genre as a whole, and then sort cool. of the philosophies behind it, the stories that yeah, uh, you know, yeah. classic films, old myths that relate to it. Um, Interesting. From a okay, cinematic okay. perspective, what you thought of the film? Yeah, the theories behind okay, the philosophy. 
Sure. Yeah. So should we start small and go bigger? So like start with the, the film and then kind of... Let's start with sure. the movie itself. And okay, just okay. Talk let's about it, it yeah, as a movie. Let's go analyze it. Yeah. yeah. Within our, our genre here, our little saga that we've been doing of time loops. How many time loop movies have you seen? Like Groundhog Day, Edge yeah, of Tomorrow? Yeah, Groundhog's Day, Edge of Tomorrow, this pretty much. Um, okay. And probably, I don't know, TV shows always seem to do like... You know, a Groundhog's Day episode, but I have no, I have no recollection of those right now. But you've never seen, yeah. you've never seen Naked. No, Marlon Wayans, Naked. No, nope. I'd say that's the pinnacle really subgenre. Okay, yeah. all right. That's well, I'll, I'll write it down in my notes here then. <laughs> yeah. Don't don't uh, start a review. Are we on. a wait, are wait we a lecture? That, uh, wait for that until after you watch. Notes. It. Okay, Just make sure you watch it. Okay, yeah, I'll watch sure Naked. Watch sure, sure you do <laughs> cool. Cool. Landon is treating this like a lecture. Yeah, Great. this is. You, we yeah. we are kind of like professors. college professors, aren't we? Isaac? The theories yeah. that we oh, craft. Man. <laughs> oh man! Regularly on our episodes, mm-hmm. mm, the debate with other scholars, no doubt. Yeah, with oh. other other scholars in yeah. the, the craft. Mm-hmm. Mm, yeah. <laughs> nice. <laughs> <laughs> but time loop movies. If you haven't yeah. listened to the Groundhog Day review, and for everyone else who hasn't, I will uh-huh. go through it. Just sort of the, the origins of that. It was it was written. The original writer was inspired by Dracula, actually, in that he can <laughs> live forever. Just the concept of vampires, and he wanted to explore the idea of if an unchangeable person had infinite time, could they change, like as a person? Just yeah, huh? Nothing to do but self reflect. Could an unchangeable person change? So Bill Murray's character in Groundhog Day is kind of an asshole. Uh, mm-hmm. We've speculated. He's like a reporter, right? Kind of like yeah, the asshole like a, reporter, he's like a weatherman. Yeah, weatherman. But he uh-huh. thinks he's yeah. shit. Yeah, all high and mighty. Or yeah, <laughs> Oh god. But yeah, we we we've speculated he, he spends like ten thousand years in this time loop on Groundhog Day. Oh jeez. And eventually changes and and in becoming a better person, he escapes. So in Groundhog Day, it's kind yeah. of insinuated that his experience in the time loop was an act of God. And subsequent films have taken a bit more of an existential approach. Palm Springs, especially. Huh, yeah. Not not just that if a person had infinite time, uh, would they be able to change? It was more of, it focused more on like the setting around it, like the setting of the infinite time. The writer of Groundhog yeah. Day picked a time loop for the setting of Bill Murray's you know character arc within an infinite time setting. Yeah. Sure. Uh, just more to, you know, to him. Yeah. yeah, just to move the plot along. But subsequent movies, Palm Springs especially, seek to explore that setting and what it would do to a person. <laughs> yeah. World yeah. Where, where nothing matters. Yeah. And already too, like the setting of Palm Springs, it's I mean it's a desert. It's empty. The setting is yeah. open. And so like really we're drawn to the characters themselves because those are the only things that are actually vivid, I guess. Yeah, the only things that are like, right, yeah. actual colors. Really yeah. wandering. Yeah. Yeah, yeah especially the um, desert, um, yeah, and Andy's character Niles, because like he's wearing that Hawaiian shirt at all times. Yeah, um, yeah, neat. He's always got that on. Melody's character is in like the bright blue. It's a wedding, so everyone's all dressed up. Mm-hmm. And the world around them is just like pan and yeah. black, and the biker bar. <laughs> yeah, for real. <laughs> so all they have is themselves. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, so it's cool. It's almost like watching kind of, I guess, that thought experiment of can the unchangeable change. In it's almost in a vacuum, not just frozen in time, but like in a straight up vacuum. There's nothing really. Yeah. And I think that adds to kind of the themes of nihilism that Sarah portrays. And we can get into that in a second. 
but <laughs> let's just let's touch on surface stuff for the film right now does that sound good yeah, yeah i thought it was funny i really enjoyed it i liked it a lot <laughs> yeah, yeah it was great. Um, great tone yeah mm-hmm. i noted a, uh, i noted a couple setups and payoffs the most uh i think i probably yeah the most crucial one is like right from the very beginning andy or niles i guess has a keen sense of smell and like tries to impress sarah by like you know <laughs> sniffing her and being like oh huh, huh. Um, but then sure enough, like towards the end when he's in his little belly of the whale, he like sniffs the, the fiance, uh, Abe's pillow and yeah. like notices the same perfume. So mm. I thought that was a really just a, it was a subtle setup at the beginning for an incredible payoff later in the film. Yeah. They even touched on it briefly. The first time Roy starts hunting him, mm-hmm. <laughs> he gets shot oh, in the true. back and he goes, Roy, you <laughs> fuck. I thought I smelt you. <laughs> Yeah, it kind of also is a two-pronged thing because it, it sort of shows how long he's been in there yeah <laughs> for him to like really hone his senses all he's had to do literally. is hone his senses you know that everyone smells like he's like master darts <laughs> yeah. and just the mannerisms of everyone throughout the day yeah mm-hmm. i i feel like it, it, with all the characters we've seen in these time loops like, I, I think andy samberg has been in the loop the longest i, I feel like i, I feel know, like yeah the other characters yeah. yeah from everything we've seen we watched the new amazon one have you seen no you haven't seen the amazon one but there is a new one out on amazon we just watched and reviewed on monday uh with mm-hmm. a map of tiny perfect things about like two 17 year olds being stuck in a time loop huh that one's kind of applied to be like a few years groundhog day maybe like ten thousand max but this one he's like completely forgotten who he is <laughs> Yeah, outside yeah, of the time occupation. Yeah, yeah, exactly. yeah. Forgets he has a dog. Yeah, they reveal at the very, very end. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. I thought it was it's interesting too. Um, Niles' character was very, like you said, like he's probably been in there. Like he's probably a little kooky because he's. Oh like, yeah. Bit, yeah. I mean, he's just. Well, he's some, even talking there. about ways that he's, you know, you know, even killed himself. And just yeah, and like all the different ways. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so he's, he's already, so many he's already yeah, he's <laughs> yeah. already progressed past the Bill Murray character. He's already like, yeah, I just feel like he's yeah, he's even he's like, I don't know, from where Groundhog Day ended and now he was like this guardian of, of his realm that he's stuck in. But yeah, I feel I like he yeah. Andy Samberg is just even beyond that. He knows he's well beyond every detail. That. He is mm-hmm. well versed as, yeah. <laughs> I think yeah. there's times where it even goes to like establish it because I've watched some interviews with Sandberg and Melody and the writer about like the making of the movie. And when they had first started making it, pitched it and recording it, because the time loop genre, subgenre, weird, whatever it's, whatever it is right now, wasn't very popular until like 2017, 2016, right around this movie mm-hmm. came out. It was like Groundhog Day, Edge of Tomorrow, and then maybe like another one. But right about when they were making this movie is when a bunch more started to come out. So when it was originally written, it was, written with the intention of like it knows it's very very close to groundhog day and it mm-hmm. wanted to make sure people knew that it was something new and they said they got a little more experimental with it as uh production went on because so many more started coming out <laughs> yeah around that oh, time yeah. that they felt like they could go with it but they feel like they really they really wanted to make sure that this isn't just a groundhog day copy and moments like that where mm-hmm. it establishes that he's well past like where bill murray was in groundhog day and everything For that sure, he learned yeah. there yeah i think one thing i've noticed for sure is um like with bill murray's groundhog's day and um edge of tomorrow like 
I don't know. I guess their actions, like they, they learn to choreograph certain actions. Whereas this, I felt like, like you guys have said, they've kind of toyed with it. And like Niles has really played with like mannerisms um, and things like that. And he's, uh, I don't know. Does that make any sense? Like, like for example, like Bill Murray, yeah. I remember, cause there's always that dude that runs up to him. Is it like an insurance agent or something? Yeah. Like, like, yeah, like yeah. he just kind of goes through the Out motion. So yeah, yeah. So he, yeah. yeah, he doesn't talk to him quickly. Like a lot of theirs, I, I don't know. I, I guess what I'm trying to say is that I think that Palm Springs has a lot more rich detail than kind of the, um, the predecessors. If that, yeah. if that makes sense. Yeah. A lot of niche detail. Yeah, it's played for comedy, but it also yeah. serves a purpose within the story to show how long he's been there. He knows exactly what <laughs> his girlfriend's going to say. When he blinks, yes, exactly. Hot. Yeah, he's, he's at the yeah. same time as her, he knows how to like weave his way through the dance floor. Mm-hmm. He knows exactly uh, how to get everyone yes. to sleep with him. Well, that yeah, was my like, first note. Uh, <laughs> Andy Samberg <laughs> equals smooth is what I wrote. Because <laughs> like, yeah, I mean, he's just <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah. Who knows how many days he spent it. trying to perfect that? Right. Yeah, and and I think it goes back to the development of even the Groundhog Day script of where they even wanted. Um, Rita, um, you know, the love interest to also be trapped with, with Bill Murray. So I feel like Palm Springs has taken that idea and just kind of soared with that aspect of where they don't get stuck in the loop. Actually, someone else gets stuck with them. Yes. It's almost like they're playing along. Mm-hmm. They're, yeah, it seems they're really in, <laughs> yeah, like, dived into the lore of, of all In the, the sense, like, Sarah is like the Bill Murray and then Andy is like bit, yeah, yeah. the mentor pretty much. Like, he's, you know, this is nothing new for him. It yeah, makes him, yeah. he certainly starts out as like this, he has it all together. He knows what mm-hmm. it is, mentor figure. Yeah, super. As like, it goes on, you see he's like, mystical. really not that. And he's just broken down <laughs> yeah. to the point yeah. where. <laughs> just a mere acceptance of everything. Yeah, he's mastered it because yeah. it's all he knows. And it's mm-hmm. all he's willing to believe. Exactly. Anymore. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I think inter- interestingly too, uh, Edge of Tomorrow has um, their whole, plot is like each day they're getting further and further to breaking out because i don't know if you guys have seen the film but essentially like aliens are causing this time loop and they're they keep Mm -hmm. resetting the day to make sure that like they win the war or something but yeah uh each day like tom cruise like gets closer and closer to like their whatever secret hideout Mm -hmm. um and like i like the fact that this this film palm springs has a more internal progression than it does an external progression um i mean Sarah learns quantum physics for Christ's sake. She's not, you know, <laughs> traveling to the Alps to look for a giant heart to, you know, detonate. It's yeah. like, you know, she's she's doing something I'd say probably more useful with her time than any of the other movies have been, like learning, um, yeah. acquiring yeah. new skills and things of that nature, taking advantage of it. Yes, exactly. Right. Mm-hmm. Of the time, yeah. yeah. Edge of Tomorrow it, it's it is not. It's, it's not really my favorite um, resolution of all of the movies I've seen. In fact, I think. Tiny Perfect Things might be my favorite resolution. Uh, you know, the whole, I don't know, <laughs> astrophysics, uh, trying to figure things out. Um, <laughs> this one is just like, oh, you just time it, and when it explodes at the right moment, you know, I, I, I don't yeah. know. It wasn't as creative as I would have liked, but uh, compared to the other, like, scenarios. I think it fits the theme but, of this movie and the tone and the, the sort of philosophical message yeah, behind it. Yeah, it's not really about that. Yeah, it's not best, about that yeah. detail. It's mm-hmm. more about them and, it, like Landon said, it's internally reflective. So it, it's yeah. not really about the, the way things are going. It's more about, like, how, how they how they just yeah. uh, deal with it. <laughs> so, A lot yeah, of these exactly movies, how they deal with it. Yeah, mm-hmm. the endings have fit 
their tone very well. Groundhog Day was sort of like a lesson from God. Tiny perfect <laughs> yeah. things. It was yeah. fourth dimensional manifestation esque type stuff. <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> <laughs> Edge of Tomorrow. Uh, yeah. They had a like you said, Landon. They had a goal from the beginning. And this one, it's like nothing really matters. They were just she just made sense of it of the randomness. Yeah. yeah. And that yeah. was how yeah. they. Yeah, she uh, found meaning in the randomness. I think made her own. Yeah. 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 Definitely. Yeah. yeah. Well, I think. Well, since we're at this point, should we just delve into the philosophy? <laughs> <laughs> cool. Lead, lead the way. Sure. So I found kind of two um, clashing philosophies. Two, um, two docking philosophies. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Is, the, is the video going to be on the? <laughs> Not. I mean, it's a podcast, so no. Yeah. But okay. if people watch the YouTube of it, <laughs> they're going to see this. <laughs> they're going to see some docking. Tips yeah. touching. But, so ideas. There, there. You know, there's nihilism, which is Sarah's. Um, Sarah's kind of philosophy, the meaningless of it all. Um, and I think Niall's philosophy is near opposite. And that's like hedonism, kind of the um, ever extensive uh, need for, for pleasure, for the pursuit of pleasure. So pleasure. Uh, yeah, my reasoning for that is when at one point they're talking and he pulls out a little chocolate bar and he's all like, nothing matters before this point or what happens after. All that matters is the bite itself. And then he takes a bite of the chocolate. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that's sort of a hedonistic um philosophical view in the sense that he's just seeking the the present gratifications of whatever he's doing and like truly he has no consequences in this in this time loop he's got no consequences whatsoever he has Why to live the things that he's done yeah exactly but he's got no consequences and i think it bred this sort of hedonistic uh mindset where well i might as well just enjoy it since i'm stuck here anyway he's kind of accepted his fate yeah sarah on the other hand is kind of the complete opposite they're kind of an interesting foil to each other because sarah is definitely nihilistic i mean i didn't keep a tally but i would i would think that she has said the word meaningless in her performance well over a dozen times like nothing (laughs) i mean it was pretty much yeah. yeah Every time they actually had a serious dialogue, she'd bring up how it's just meaningless anyway. She's critical of love, uh, yet she has agency, whereas Niles is very accepting. We get to see Sarah's agency, where she takes responsibility of kind of um, her own action. Or, well, yeah, she does take responsibility of her own actions, but also just responsibility in general. Like she, she does things. Um, my first example would be when she hits Roy with the car, the police car. Uh, <laughs> Niles is pretty much just like, okay, I'm ready to get shot and wake up tomorrow. Yeah. And she kind of spits in the face of that and kind of intervenes. Um, and then on top of that, too, with Abe, her sleeping with her sister's fiance. That's tough. I'm pretty sure. Yeah. But she, <laughs> I think she confronts it twice. The first time was when she uh, whispered it into her sister's ear. And then I guess technically... Niles, I think, I think Niles actually said it the second time. So never mind on that point. Niles kind of did the second time. The second time she confronted yeah. Abe about it, but not like she didn't tell her sister. Sure. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. She yeah. Got Abe in the line before she, mm-hmm. that was on the last day when she knew there would be a tomorrow. Yeah. Speaking of which on the last day, did you guys <laughs> with Nana, the grandma? There was oh, some like yeah. cryptic ass. Oh message. yeah. So like at yeah. first, like she Jeez. walked up and she's all like, Oh, that was a wonderful speech you gave. I lost my husband 40 years ago or something, you know, just like some old person. Oh, yeah. Like, But then she's all like, well, since this is your last day, I hope you've enjoyed it or something along those lines. I feel yeah. like the old lady has at some point been in the time. Yeah, I feel, <laughs> I feel the same. Yeah. yeah. I, who knows? She might have like some senile like yeah. Alzheimer's. You know, brain that she's just totally looped in yeah. every possible yeah. sense. 
Yeah, what if her Alzheimer's? <laughs> it's just really her, like, actually reliving the memories of her being in her own time loop. Oh, maybe. That's a theory for another time. But maybe she is in a time loop, but she forgets the previous day every day. So it's as if it's a new day for her. <laughs> oh, God. Yeah. Right. Well, boys, we did. Oh, we solved Alzheimer's. We cracked Palm Springs. <laughs> and I want to ask you about, because I agree with your dissection of, of uh, Melody and uh, Sandberg's character, Niles. His mm-hmm. name is Niles, which mm-hmm. sounds very similar to Nihilist, but I see him more yeah. as an absurdist. And with your, you said he was a hedonist. It's sort of like an extension of the the criticism of absurd absurdism. Mm-hmm. Uh, who is it? The Albert Camus? Camus? <laughs> whoever, okay. whoever the fuck started it. <laughs> Those I are a lot know. of the things that, I don't know how to pronounce I it. I can look it up though. Yeah, I don't know. 20th century French, he called himself a writer. He wasn't mm-hmm. a philosopher. And absurdism sort of sprouted from his book, The Myth of Sisyphus. Mm-hmm. Uh, he never put any effort into delving too deeply into the ideas behind it. And he denied almost every conclusion that other people came to <laughs> about his hmm. philosophy thing. But his it behavior. Was, yeah, it was, it was his ideas of, you know, uh, accept things as they are, live in the moment, um, and the things that sort of lead to that instant gratification, hedonistic criticism that comes of, of absurdism, of, of accepting that uh, the dichotomy between, you know, human consciousness and the desire to seek meaning and the meaningless world sure. <laughs> that we live I mean, in. I think that's actually um, perfectly manifested in those dinosaurs, just the, that herd of dinosaurs that are just wandering, you know, mm. throughout this vast wasteland. and you know, they, they don't have any consequences. They're animals. You know, it's just, they're just kind of living in the moment. They're just letting things huh. be, you know, it's just like, a, I, I think that's what the dinosaurs kind of symbolize. Interesting. That hedonistic so, style. Yeah. That's what so I maybe think. the dinosaurs is like a, a symbolic reflection of. I think so. Um, Niles is. Character yeah. In a sense of like, it is absurd that dinosaurs are walking around and they might not be real. I yeah. think they even mentioned that, like, this might not be real, right. but it's beautiful. Like, we should enjoy it. <laughs> right. Yeah. Um, the, uh, are really nice. Yeah. Of the, 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 whatever the, <laughs> yeah. the time loop uh, <laughs> crack, it just it's, mm-hmm. time is like kind of, I don't know, yeah. creeping through, uh, kind of mm-hmm. like Dark Souls, where time is just interlapping. There's like dinosaurs from the prehistoric era. Like, time is. Yeah. <laughs> um, and I think. Go ahead. Sorry. Oh, no, go for it. I I was going to say that I think um, Roy kind of had this similar conclusion to Niles, um, but almost through a different perspective Um, in the sense like he's in Irvine, right? Irvine, Washington. And he's like chilling. He's living in the suburbs with his family and stuff. And like uh, Niles comes and visits him when he's in kind of that belly of the whale state. And Roy's like, look at look at my kids. My daughter's, she, she's got like a little watering can and she's just watering a pile of shit. <laughs> and he's all like, it's food. weird. It's weird, but it's beautiful. Yeah. Yeah. I thought that was just interesting. Like, um, yeah, I think a, there was more relation character. between Niles and Roy than um, I think initially um, I thought there was. Yeah. They have a lot more in common than, yeah. mm-hmm. than maybe even Niles and, uh, What's her name? Sarah, whatever. Yeah. Kristen Melody's yeah. character is. Yeah, Sarah. You had said yeah. that she was a nihilist. Uh, mm-hmm. I do agree that she did. She did start out as such on your description. Sure. You know the, the difference between existentialism and, and nihilism. The, like, more or less. More, more or less. less. Yeah. I yeah. feel like 
she did start out as a nihilist, sort of transitioned over into that existentialist thing, and that's sure. what got him out of it. Yeah. And with the endings, I think it, it that's why this ending served this movie so well. They get out because she spends probably years worth of time in the loop just learning everything she can about astrophysics mm-hmm. and figures a way out of it. Uh, she sort of makes her own meaning. And yes. nihilists sort of disregard meaning as having any meaning. Yeah, yeah, yeah I agree. The, the idea of meaning is arbitrary Roy, to a nihilist. Yeah, and, yeah. and, and Roy, uh, in, in a kind of opposite sense of Sandberg, is looking at it from a more positive outlook or even at first i don't know it's, it's almost like the dynamic between uh Sandberg's character and, and roy is you know roy started out just absolutely you know totally angry about everything yeah. <laughs> angry about absolutely but then he found a good beauty to it with his family and, and in the moment and realized before in the moment yeah um yeah. and and Sandberg, in a way it kind of does the opposite of where yeah he gets stuck in the loop but then yeah then suddenly he's starting to become more negative about it more of like eh Nothing matters, but Roy is different in that perspective. Hmm. I guess I don't know. Mm-hmm. But uh, yeah, yeah, I think I think that's a really good point. I wanted to touch on um, uh, Taryn's point real quick. I think I'd agree with you that uh, Sarah initially starts kind of nihilistic and then moves to this existentialistic idea. Um, are you guys familiar with? Um, Goodness, it was written during World War II, but it's it's a very prominent work for oh, existentialism. Uh, Mein Kampf. No, no, not Slaughterhouse Five. Um, I think I think Slaughterhouse Five has to do more with uh, PTSD and war. But bye, bye, Mama. I'm off to Yokohama. (laughs) No, it's a German. That one uh, really racist Disney thing, where like Donald Duck's a Nazi. No, it's um, (laughs) not at all. It's actually um, it's a book about it's a nonfiction account of a man that had lived through the concentration camps during the Holocaust. Um, uh, oh, and there was, I, read that in, oh, I, I know what you're talking about. Yeah. Um, I can't think of his name for whatever reason, yeah. but that's really, that's kind of what got me started on the idea of existentialism. Um, oh, cause we can kind of compare in, in this, I need to find the book title before I start comparing it. Otherwise I am just going to be so, uh, <laughs> yeah. it's just going to sound so, I don't know, not good. Okay. Um, while you look that up, I want to talk about, have either of you heard of, Jean-Paul Sartre, Sartre, Sartre. That is a very familiar name. His, uh, his book, Being in Nothing, where he, uh, he sort of talks about what, what consciousness is, the, the absurdity of it, and like ways to find meaning in it all, like what it, what it means. I was just looking at the, the philosophies behind this movie of, of existentialism, as this movie is filled with existential dread, probably more so than any of the other time loop movies I've seen. They have a lot more positive outlook on everything. But it says that, uh, let me find it here. So individual beings, there's the, the being of itself and the being for itself. So the being of itself is like trees, animals, things that are not really self-aware. They are what they are, and they can't really change. And this mm-hmm. was, uh, I should specify, this book was written in 1953, published in 1953. Okay. Way before Groundhog Day, way before this movie. Beings yeah. of themselves, plants, animals, inanimate objects, they are what they are. They don't change. Beings for themselves, conscious beings, are oh. um, they're self-aware. They, and this plays into the themes of absurdity, that they, they actively seek meaning, but there is none for them. Because hmm. beings of themselves can't really give them any higher meaning, because they're like higher thinking beings. 
uh, and beings for themselves are also seeking meaning. They have no meaning to give. <laughs> hmm. It's really just like them all making it up as they go. And a lot of times people, Interesting. they seek to become beings of themselves uh, through like career paths and, and social groups and the mm -hmm. like. Uh, he compares, a, he brings up a waiter and that a person who's really passionate about their job as a waiter sees himself as nothing but a waiter. And in that they, they kind of lose their own identity. Uh, huh. By kind of sacrificing for an alter identity, would you say? Sort of, yeah. They kind of sacrifice, I don't know, free thinking for purpose, I suppose. Okay. Oh, okay, I see. Hmm. Kind of like that. And I found a lot of similarities between that and like Niles. He even often, most people at the wedding don't even know him by his name. <laughs> he yeah. He's <is> constantly <laughs> asserting who he is. He just got Misty's boyfriend. Because mm -hmm. he, you know, they're sort of the beings of themselves in this. They're, you know, the, the sleepwalkers, the people reliving the same day every day. And they can't yeah. change because the next day they go back to being the same. Uh huh. And Niall's seeking to just sort of find a place in this world after having given up, you know, any hope of, of escaping. Huh. He finds meaning in that sort of. He yeah, he sort of uh, sacrifices yeah. his own. He attaches. Tired. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, so he just sort of attached himself to living in this world. And it's, again, the absurdist principles of just accepting things as they are and living for the mm -hmm. moment. He's like, whatever, I miss these boyfriend. I like to eat burritos and sleep yeah. with the bartender. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, well, almost, yeah, it does go back to um, Jean Paul's, so, of where he can't even remember his own occupation. So it kind of goes into that. Where he yeah, the waiter even forgets his own identity. Away. It's like, yeah, yeah, Niles has forgotten everything he was before being stuck in a yeah. time loop. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Huh. Wild. And the writers had, you know, they say that there's a lot of mystery behind nice. the movie and that there are things to okay. unpack. They set out to make what they called in an interview, yep. I forget the writer's name, but he said he set out to make a rom-com, like a sci-fi rom-com, something that was more than... Yeah, something. I think I think he did a brilliant job. I wanted to touch, I think the ideas you presented of existentialism and... um uh, absurdism i think do capture Ni or i guess niles niles characterization very well um i did my i did my homework um you and found i found it. the book i found the book i was looking for so <laughs> the dude's <laughs> name Finally his name prepared. is uh <laughs> yeah <laughs> victor frankel um and he published this book in 1946 just after the war and it's called man's search for meaning and in it he deliberates kind of his experience in the uh the concentration camp pretty much what he was looking at. I mean, they were treated like animals. Everyone was pretty much, they, they felt meaningless. Um, there's one yeah. passage specifically that was kind of uh, shocking when I read it, but it, there's a lot in that. First off, he says like, whatever I write, it cannot compare to what I have experienced, which I thought was very profound in the sense that like, no one can, ex you know, you can't, you can't describe an atrocity of that level in any shape or form. Um, second off though, um, going kind of back to my point. Yeah. Yeah. So the meaningless of kind of their existence, they have been forsaken by, by their creator in a sense. Um, yeah, God has not come down to, it. yeah. They renounced their faith. I remember yeah. That yeah. They've lost their faith. Down, just like, yep. mm -hmm. And at one point too, um, they were thinking it was towards the end of the war. They were thinking they were going to be liberated by Christmas and Christmas came and then Christmas went and people started dying, uh, left and right. And he, he writes, he doesn't think they died because of what they were doing in the camps. People were dying all the time. They were treated poorly. Nothing had changed in that regard, but they had lost hope in a sense that they truly gave in to kind of the meaninglessness 
of their own existence. And so he kind of started um, generating his own ideas and his reasoning for his survival is his giving himself this meaning. He said like he would be grateful or, you know, he would, he would look forward to the stale, you know, slice of bread he was given every day. And that was his meaning is kind of looking, looking for something, I don't know, beyond himself, I suppose, to attach something to, to make something of himself. So he doesn't get bogged down into this kind of nihilistic front that pretty much everyone experienced um, in those camps. The the two, what is it? Passive and active nihilism. Once you get to that point, you have a few options. It's sort of the, the first one's suicide. And yeah. The second one, suicide of, of faith, right? Is that what it's called? I'm not entirely sure. Um, uh, I think it was. I forget. I haven't I studied I nihilism too much before, yeah. or not. But yeah, so the first one, when you accept that there is no God, there is no higher purpose, the world is, you know, there is no no great answer to everything, mm-hmm. no one to, who's, you know, pulling the strings, giving everything uh, objective meaning and morality. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, you could just kill yourself because you'd rather not live than live in a world without meaning. Or sure. there's the, the suicide of faith. I think it was the leap of faith, as it's called, hmm. uh, where you just say, fuck it, I will try anyway. Mm-hmm. Kind of like that. And that was because Nietzsche had had a lot of ideas. He spoke a lot about the death of God. In the yes. Industrial revolution. Quite a bit. Yeah. Um, I think it's important to note, too, that for anyone, Shelley, I'm talking to you. Um <laughs> That the death of God, um, I think it's kind of taken and blown up out of context from what Nietzsche was saying. In a sense, I feel like nihilists celebrate the death of God in a very fucked up sense, um, in like a cultural sense, I suppose. But when yeah. Nietzsche wrote it, um, it was not like a triumphant thing to like oh. kill God. It was a tragic thing because we had we'd lost our tradition. The moment we killed, yeah. the moment we killed our tradition, tradition was the moment like we killed God in that sense. Up until that point when you started writing about it, a lot of people drew their, you know, their sense of morality, their sense of meaning from their religion, Mm -hmm. God. And as religion, you know, began to wane a little in popularity, it was the death of God. And without that, a lot of people didn't have meaning. And he said that his his interpretations, the the nihilism wasn't about getting into that point, because he says that was the lowest point. It was about sort of getting into it so you can get out of it. He's like, you have to go through it. Uh, you know, you have to accept that nothing matters and then you can start making your own meaning. Yeah. You know, all the characters are at different levels of that philosophy. Yeah. Yes. I guess the rock bottom is. uh, For sure. Yeah. And Roy even talks about it in the movie. (laughs) Rock bottom. Yeah. Yeah. There is a bottom. bottom. There There is is a bottom. bottom. Uh huh. Yep. Um, But yeah. um, They find it in their own ways too. They did. Oh, for sure. Perhaps then it is more a, a transition from. What did you call it? The two types of nihilism? Yeah, the passive nihilism. Passive and active. Yeah, and active. Okay. Yeah. I don't I don't think Sarah became an a passive nihilist at the end of this. I think she started passive in a sense that like, ah, it's meaningless, blah, blah, blah. But yeah. I think she transferred more over to existentialism towards the end, in the sense of like she did make her own meaning through her own means. Sure. Mm-hmm. While Sandberg's character never really yeah he sort of found meaning in her mm-hmm. which is also in line with uh whatever his fucking name is john paul sartre's uh being mm-hmm. in nothing he says that when people are presented with only beings of themselves that they you know eventually sort of become one mm-hmm. it's only when you he had a lot of he talked about spoke a lot about the look he called it 
is uh, is looking into the eyes of another being for themselves sort of reminds you of what you are. Yeah. Stanberg having spent, you know, millions probably of years in here <laughs> with nothing but beings of themselves and then uh-huh. Roy kills him occasionally. Yeah. Sort of just forgot yeah. about it. But uh-huh. then through Melody's character, he was sort of reminded that he found something to care about. He like found a purpose and something to yes. for himself again. Yeah. Well, they got there in different ways. I, they both. Yeah. Yeah. Up. Yeah. I would say that. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I think there's definitely, there can be a place to criticize, um, Niles is kind of enlightenment because he even talks about like he likes the codependence. He wants he wants that codependence, but like that's not necessarily a healthy trait. But it is a purpose that he's given himself to, kind of at the end of the film. So there is some sort of growth, even though it might not be, you know, the perfect growth. And it's meant to be comedic anyway. So yeah. I think they're just kind of trying to play that out. And those um yeah. those facets of the characters, the flawed nature of, you know, Niles's philosophy in there and the mistakes that Sarah has made, and even Roy. In you know his streaks of anger. <laughs> yeah. Uh, in an interview, I, I saw that was actually what drew Sandberg and Melody to the script. They've both been offered a lot of roles in rom coms, uh, but I guess the characters never really felt real enough for them. Yeah, I think that's enough. that's valid. Yeah, I think rom coms are a bit more fantastical than we'd like to imagine. So somehow the Time Loop movie was the most realistic interpretation. <laughs> yeah. But well, I think it goes in line with their their internal conflicts i guess like their internal arc if that makes sense like most rom-coms are very external about the other individual but these were both explorations of the internal for for i think every every character stuck in the time loop no naked yeah yeah naked naked. Mm -hmm. (laughs) so yeah also where can i watch that film uh netflix i think (laughs) netflix yeah it's free, uh, so definitely don't spend in any hell? money on it. But yeah. <laughs> in hell, <laughs> in hell, <laughs> oh, enjoy. Oh god, yeah. I don't know if I want to. Going back to just kind of the the concepts of you know what the writers uh, you know dealing with more. I, I really there's a really cool idea when Andy Samberg was presented a way out. Yes. And, uh, she she offered a way out, and he almost didn't want to leave. He's like, mm-hmm. oh well, where's the rush or where you know what. Mm-hmm. You know, didn't we have something together here in this time loop? Like, mm-hmm. he he almost I don't know. It was just he became attached to it. He I know that was just a cool concept. I was like, oh yeah. Uh, if, yeah. if you are presented a way out of the loop, would you take it? You know? Sure. Well, we can take this further, yeah. Isaac, to kind of like the union um, um, hero's journey, Joseph Campbell's yeah. hero's journey, in the sense like you know uh, when you're almost at the end, uh, traveling traveling from the the ordinary world to the special world. There is a there is a refusal of the call to go into the um, special world, but similarly, there is also once the hero has kind of done their whole stick in this special world, there is a refusal to return home, um, and I think that's that's kind of what we saw with Niles is that refusal yeah. to go back to the ordinary world. He's comfortable in the special world. He's got, in a yeah. sense, a purpose in the special world. He's got, he's an authority in the special world, you know? Sarah looks up to him. Roy is like his arch nemesis. There's, you know, there's a lot to do. Yeah. Also, yeah, Roy, <laughs> real quick, Roy is just left unresolved. Like, <laughs> they didn't bother to tell him or anything, but like, hey, Did we you, found a way out. I think it was an after credit scene. Oh, okay, oh, yeah, okay. Yeah, yeah. Okay, then I need to, I just, I, I literally saw the credits roll and I was like, okay, I'm going to hop on now. So, <laughs> you know, Roy, Roy uh, we, were, we were talking about alternate branches of timeline, like Endgame thing. So he was talking to the sleepwalking. <laughs> yeah, so Roy returns to the wedding. He's like, hey, shitbird, I got your girlfriend's email. Did it work? 
And when he spins him around, it's like Andy Samberg's character, but he's in the suit again as if it's his first day at the wedding. Yeah. Huh. So it's yeah. And so then it also quiet. shows them exiting, having exited the loop. They're at like their safe space at the pool. Yeah. Uh, and then yeah. the family comes back, like, who the fuck are you? <laughs> yeah. Huh. Man. Come back so, November yeah. 15th or whatever. Yeah. It's yeah, kind November of that, yeah. <laughs> they're like replaced with a version of themselves within the loop yeah so huh. yeah. interesting Which, man, okay, okay. yeah roy that is a scary uh thing also to, to think about with roy's mentality of like mm-hmm. if you yeah if you are angry about where you are like who knows what you know what what uh i don't know what means you would you would experiment in this in this time loop like you know oh, you yeah. saw him like torturing Andy Samberg, like just mercilessly, <laughs> yeah. You know, it's a scary, a scary mm-hmm. Yeah, I was like, oh man, that's yeah. Uh, I didn't even think about mm-hmm. that. Like, if you're stuck in a loop for so long, you might have real bad psychology in that mm-hmm. in that way. Some fucked um, up fun. Yeah, I was kind of yeah. thinking along that avenue with Roy's character. I was thinking like like the Stanford Prison Experiment, in a sense. Like, I mean, they had no consequences. It was just for like the experiment in that sense. Um, yeah, and like nobody was really going to stop what they were doing, so they were kind of left yeah. to their own devices. And I feel like uh, Roy kind of went down that that trajectory. Yeah, if that makes sense. It's where... implied that Sandberg did for a while as well during the scene where they both get arrested and Sarah mm-hmm. runs Roy over. A real cop comes <laughs> and arrests them, and they argue on the side of the road. Mm-hmm. And a quote from from Niles is like, "Being a source of terror isn't fun." I tried it. Yeah. <laughs> Huh. Uh, yeah, but and what do you think his yeah. um, since it's a lot of detail went into making Niles sort of the embodiment of absurdism, and mm-hmm. within that uh, there were like three branches or three choices that like true absurdists have for people who live in the moment. There's like the seducer who just seeks like carnal pleasures, which mm. is kind of like what Sandberg is at this yeah. point. Yeah, he just likes to you know try and bang people at the party, he likes to eat and drink and whatever. Um, there's the the actor who seeks to find fame in this life they know that um you know legacy is fleeting and that it's Mm. not really it won't matter after they're gone but they want it while it's here Uh, and then there's the the conqueror (laughs) people who seek to (laughs) conquer the world in their lifetime (laughs) interesting interesting Uh, yeah so i could see sandberg and roy like you were saying isaac they both sort of embody absurdism to a degree where yeah. Roy finds happiness in the moments yes. with his family and Sandberg finds it, you know, in whatever he's doing that day. But Roy also seems to take a very particular joy <laughs> in dominating the man <laughs> who put him in this, this situation. Yeah. yeah. He seems uh, to have dude. an almost sadistic pleasure <laughs> <laughs> in uh, torturing, torturing yeah. Niles. <laughs> yep. Yeah. Uh, but Niles, uh, yeah, even when nothing matters for him he says that pain is real and that the things you do to others you still have to live with yes Niles yes. actively yeah. avoids he's consciously you know, aware of that yeah of hurting yeah. himself and and the like he, he said on multiple occasions nothing's worse than dying slowly in the icu uh-huh which also fits his character well because even you know if nothing the next day matters uh he lives in the exact moment like you said you know start of the candy bar end of the candy bar he only cares about what's in the middle Sure, sure. Uh, you know, that yeah. pain does is, you know, an in-the-moment sensation. Yeah. yeah, and Roy experiences it firsthand, which makes him kind of quit. I think there was a number of reasons that we can go into, too. But, like, he quits hunting him. He quits hunting Niles oh, when he's yeah, in, like, yeah. the ICU. He's all like, <laughs> they wanted to keep me conscious because if I closed my eyes, they were worried I'd die. Right. Yeah. Oh, because <laughs> Sarah kind of gets like, runs him over. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so, like, 
Yeah. And then that's where they really, I think that's where Niles can really empathize with Roy being like, ICU deaths are the worst 100%. And like, I feel like that was their like real connection. It's like, yeah. That was a really great scene. That was like probably one of my favorite scenes. I thought that was so great. Can you kill me one last time? Yeah. Can you kill me one? And then he takes him in the trash can. Yeah. Well, it's cool that he got shot in the heart too because, you know, he's dealing with heartbreak and, Yes. Yes. Some good symbols, you know. Nice. Good find. Um, Roy has a sympathy for him now, so he shoots him in the heart. But he also, yeah, he got a heartbreak. Yeah, Yeah. heartbreak. So it's it's kind of all died of a broken heart in a sense. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, Exactly. (laughs) Exactly. Uh huh. Uh, But yeah, just great on the writers, and uh, like this, it's cool to explore these type of like more practical aspects of human psychology and. Mm-hmm. Yeah, what would you do if you, you know, would you stay? Would you, would you leave this time loop if you, if you could go both ways? Um, sure. Yeah. Uh, what, how, what's the mental toll on it? Like, this is really a very smart film to explore more of that. It is yeah. very it's just, smart. It's, and, and I, more of I absolutely want to watch it, it yeah. more times, yeah. at least once oh, more, for sure, probably a couple more times, just because, I mean, there's so many little details and conceptually, too. Yeah. I feel like this is better than pretty much any Groundhog's Day genre movie i've seen yeah i, I agree. this one is really yeah it is really has gone beyond its predecessors it's like acknowledged yeah. kind of it's given its homages to like you know groundhog's day but it's also taken it into its own hands and mm. gotten creative with it yeah absolutely mm. and uh yeah I, I i think too i i'm actually very impressed with uh, andy's performance too in this it wasn't his yes. over the top usual sandberg like hot rod craziness yeah it wasn't the certainly. it wasn't you know the usual lonely island this is a lonely island yeah. picture it is um, yeah it's a long it's surprisingly yeah uh, yeah a it different writer really like it definitely a different yeah performance from Sanford. and Chris, christina melody is great as well she was in that oh. black mirror episode where she was in a similar oh, scenario really? where she's stuck in the star trek <sighs> ship simulation oh, oh yeah. that was, that was terrifying was yeah wow huh charlie x uh, start yeah. she's got so, very beautiful eyes yeah. <laughs> i just i put that in my she, notes too yeah you very, wrote that one very down. Attractive. yeah, yeah. <laughs> pretty pretty good she is she's very beautiful uh, and then there's jk simmons who, he, he can just do no wrong mm-hmm. oh no yeah it, for jjj himself jj jonah jameson himself mm. yeah. <laughs> have you guys seen him in whiplash not seen oh. whiplash very good. I, I've seen the memes of him of yelling. Whiplash, yeah, he's like the abusive <laughs> band director. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Okay, okay. I've that heard one's a good sure. psychology breakdown too. It's kind of about like negative reinforcement. Yeah, yeah. Like he's hard on him because he wants him to succeed. Yeah, in that regards him yeah. to mm-hmm. too much. Yeah, you know. But, also, too, the tone of of this too, it, it follows the similar tones of the other ones. Um, it kind of keeps the same format of like it's a very euphoric um vibrant colored world where it seems fine on the outside but on the inside there's a dread uh you know a, a darkness around this of like these people being trapped and that that kind of goes sure. for all the movies we've seen so far mm-hmm. but yeah i kind of like that it's like they're they're kind of in this like wonderland of yeah it's actually just hell <laughs> no consequences when it's, especially yeah, when, when for in reality some... it's yeah she has to wake up um, with Abe every morning. Yep. Which is <laughs> yeah. like that is that is a real exactly. kick in the teeth if I've ever seen yeah. one. Dude. <laughs> and, and and maybe it goes into play of like that idea of, you know, is heaven 
really a good thing or is it, it uh, does it end up being hell, you know, or, you know, cause you know, it's, it's, it's living forever. seems like a great idea, you know, in a world sure, on paper, theory, right? On, yeah. on paper, but yeah, but the reality of it, who knows? Yeah. It could be an existential mm-hmm. nightmare. <laughs> so, uh, and it also sort of helps to add like the differences between her and Niles's philosophies. She wakes up having be or being the, you know, the one who the home wrecker, <laughs> Mm-hmm. the one who was in the affair and niles wakes up with his girlfriend every morning knowing that she cheats on him mm-hmm. later in the day you know he wakes up to someone yeah. who, who failed him and mm-hmm. she wakes they catch up themselves having... yeah on the opposite sides of each of their own similar dynamics and even in the framing it shows that as well when niles wakes up his head's on the right side of the screen huh and when sarah wakes up her head's on the left side of the screen niles is well, laying about on the left side sarah's laying on her right nice two um, halves yeah, the two halves. Yeah. So they kind of, which yeah, yeah again, great I even dissection. Think too, the, mm-hmm. the the setting too of the wedding, um, just that idea of just a, a, a total celebration of everything in a way, it's like of sure. eating, drinking, friendship, camaraderie, mm-hmm. even you know, carnal yeah. pleasure. Yeah. And, One could know, even love. say also an eternal bond. And that yeah, eternal bond. There you go. <laughs> Damn. Okay. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. So it's a cool setting of that. It's just this, this, yeah. this amalgamation of of just the 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 world that they're in right now. They they can do whatever they want, whether it be pain, pleasure, you know, gorging themselves, uh, you know, anything mm-hmm. really. So it's cool that that yeah, it's like a banquet setting. Of, yeah. Reminds me of anything a, you could ever want. What is it? Mm-hmm. Valhalla. Is it? Where they're on the battlefield, they yeah. fight and die, and then they just wake up the next day and do it again. And and fight and die. Do it again. Fight and party. I'll do it again. Yeah. How bizarre. That's that's such an interesting afterlife. Yeah. As far as like, <laughs> just as far as like, you know, afterlifes go. That's a very fucking. That's a that's a brutal afterlife, dude. That's a wild. Man. That's <laughs> that's that straight up one. messed up. Like that's, you you have to I, I mean, <laughs> to yeah, die honorably is, first. You have to and, die in battle. But then you can die honorably forever in Valhalla. Well, yeah, it's messed up when we think about it now. But culturally, back in the day, it's Nordic, you know, with you know, they loved warfare. That they they, lived they loved it. death you know, they in had, a they weird sense too. Yeah. Weird way. yeah, that was their culture, you know. Yeah. yeah, but but it makes now that sense. We think I mean, it, it's, it's like cold, this. frigid. They're constantly <laughs> yeah. starving, constantly fighting for resources. Yeah, they, like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> they made their own they, value. They, uh, yeah. yeah, and and I mean that's that's really an all religious aspect. That kind of view of it's a cultural yeah. sense of it's a cultural what we yeah, think yeah, yeah. It, we want and what we need and what we need fulfilled. When in reality, is that really what like if, if we yeah. live forever? And, Interesting. And so like afterlife's are kind of a cultural um, a reflection of cultural values in that regard. Yeah, perhaps. Yeah, hmm. and in Palm Springs, uh, it's culturally relevant. In today's world, we're very nihilistic, uh, you know, more existential, hedonistic. I think, than we've ever been yep. in human history, to be honest. Like, mm-hmm. you know, just with how everything is. I, I don't know. Maybe the in, 80s. In, in a way, it's like in our capitalistic sense, we have everything we could ever want. You know, we're, we just want more money, more, more things. Like we, we just have an abundance of wealth here. Mm-hmm. Maybe we're just starting to become more existential because of it. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. Maybe culturally, well, I don't know. Okay, no, I Lib. A good point. <laughs> okay, Lib. <laughs> I do think you bring up a good point, though. Is like a hundred yeah. years ago, we would not be having the contemporary issues we face today, such as, um, well, 
the search I wouldn't for meaning. Necessarily say, really. yeah, yeah. The People search had, for meaning is the big one. Yeah, yeah. They had faith, and otherwise their lives were just so mm-hmm. shitty that their meaning was to, you know, till these crops yeah. every day or all starve to death. Yeah, I think it's odd now that our meaning is more uh, politically motivated or driven in that regard. Yeah, or at least that's socially, what you see. That's what you see. Yeah. Socially, political, social, socio politically driven. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. Just just going back to our whole culture thing. What, yeah, what we view as what we what we think is as what our heaven is or what our yeah hmm. we might be a little more existential right now. <laughs> yeah, I I definitely agree with that of, for sure. Yeah, probably we're Palm also Springs hard for Palm Springs a, on this podcast right now. Yeah, man, yeah, like dude, dude, it's a good movie. It's really good. <laughs> it really is on the topic yeah. of you guys are talking about the faith of the Vikings. Sure, in that regard, one of the biggest criticisms of the absurdist philosophy people say absurdism is just sort of like a a shallow extension of existentialism it doesn't Hmm. really have enough grounds to hold its own as like a philosophical viewpoint a lot of this comes from the the falsification principle so absurdism you know big lessons live in the moment except that that you know nothing matters uh the, the absurdist you know dichotomy of of seeking meaning and there being none to seek a lot of the criticisms of this is that the falsification principle that can you prove it's not there? And this is where faith comes back into play in a lot of the debate is, um, well, you can't prove God or, you know, any higher meaning exists. So uh, that means it doesn't. And, you know, so I'm just going to live this absurdist lifestyle, which we see in Sandberg's case turns into, you know, the meaningless hedonistic one. Mm -hmm. Um, And we see this argument come to a head at the end of the film when he refuses to leave, as well as in the argument against absurdism. Whereas, like, well, you say we can't prove God exists. You cannot prove that that he doesn't exist. Sure. So why do you commit yourself to living this way as opposed to seeking something more? You, It's uh, complacency, I suppose, hmm. would be the, yeah, in a way. the no. thing. So Sandberg is complacent in it. He, in yeah. his... In his pursuits to, you know, absolve himself of belief, he has resigned himself to believing that there's nothing to believe in, and that that itself is a is a belief. Yes. Mm-hmm. And so Melody's character is sort of the criticism of Sandberg, and that despite knowing that, you know, there is no higher meaning that we can see, they say live in the moment, accept your immediate surroundings. Uh, she, you know, dares to think strive for something beyond those immediate surroundings she wants to get out yeah the immediate time there's more to it yeah there's more to it it's not guaranteed that there's more to it but she tries Mm -hmm. and it's implied that sandberg tried a lot but obviously not as much as she did because he didn't figure her way out ultimately he grew complacent like complacent he gave up who knows how many years he had been in there i mean he could have been there really yeah had no reason to yeah at that point you know it's like yeah Mm -hmm. And his approach like is, you millions know, millions and millions of years, millions of years. Yeah, for real. His approach mm-hmm. to it was, you know, that that passive nihilism. He even says <laughs> lots of suicides. And then he whispers under his breath. So many. <laughs> so many suicides. Oh, yeah. <laughs> if there's a way to kill yourself, I haven't found it yet. Mm-hmm. So he took yeah. that, you know, that other approach that, you know, a meaningless world. He keep, you know, he'd rather die than live in a world that's meaningless, but he can't die. So, yeah. So now he's now he's passive, yeah. huh? Yeah. So uh, just another fun detail. I think that their characterization is really good yes. in that it embodies these yeah. traits. Mm-hmm. The movie does a really great job of presenting it in both a comedic way and a thoughtful yeah. way. <laughs> I agree. I yeah. agree. It's not down your throat of like this is a you know this is the message of the filmmaker, but it's definitely like 
we can pick it apart. It's not, it's there if you're willing to look, I suppose. Yeah. If you don't want to, if you don't want to spend hours watching fucking John Green <laughs> philosophy videos, <laughs> like I didn't have to watch this movie. Mm. It's a very funny movie, uh, mm-hmm. uh, just for performances yeah. and, and the tone. And oh man, one otherwise. thing that really got me <laughs> was one time when uh, when Sarah wakes up next to Abe, and Abe's in the shower, and she walks in, and she's like, "We're shitty people. We're absolutely shitty people." And Abe <laughs> just starts sobbing. And his last line right. before it cuts to the the next scene, he's all like, "I'm just like my father." <laughs> <laughs> That's so funny. Uh-huh. Oh man. Yeah. There was a lot of um I was watching some interviews alongside the uh crash course philosophy uh, yes. <laughs> of of Sam Bergen Melodian. Uh, a lot of a lot of ad libbing was done in this movie. Hmm. You can tell they knew their characters very well. They were both drawn to the yes. script and they're very picky about rom com scripts as they talked for about. For sure, for sure. So they definitely yeah. took an interest in the script. They said that the, the production time for this movie was very short, um, hmm. comparatively. So there were a lot of times where they would just be running lines with one another, like on the way to the set hmm. to do it. And in those moments, they would come up with. Yeah, they'd have know, their little moments. Yeah, their little yeah. moments, their funny ad libs, the shit they would make up. Yeah. They would like prank They're, each other in the scene where. The chemistry together is, is so great. Yeah, great chemistry. Perfect chemistry. In yeah. the scene where Sandberg is awesome. like, there's a bomb in the cake. Don't worry, I'm a bomb guy. <laughs> and Lodi's character walks out. <laughs> He's got and a fucking like, crossbow. <laughs> the c4 on it <laughs> and melody's character walks out dressed like a james bond villain that wasn't planned yeah. pick that stuff up at a like a cbs oh, the, oh, awesome. <laughs> walked in his accent great. hook was not planned yeah. Yeah. oh man so, that's awesome. definitely in the performances it wasn't just in the writing and the themes behind the movie that yeah. you're at home but the actors wow that's awesome. cool and i yeah, feel the like the actors are almost yeah. the same person really they're they're so witty. Both of them are <laughs> yeah, really, but really witty. Absolutely. Yeah. They, they really definitely curious. understood the content and mm-hmm. added to it. And I feel like these ad-lib moments add to kind of like the the genuine nature of kind of what the film is trying to get at of these like yeah. characters, these people. They're people at the very end of the day. And yeah. like people Random don't read a script. Flaws. Yeah, people kind of, yeah, they do dumb yeah, shit. They- <laughs> bombs and wedding cakes you know (laughs) (laughs) but yeah and also like you know i feel like they really captured like these are genuine people that we that we get to kind of uh have the pleasure of watching on the screen suffer in eternity (laughs) (laughs) yes yes. (laughs) (laughs) but the the pleasure to view the film no doubt yeah i definitely i'm recommending this to people for sure yeah oh for Mm -hmm. sure great movie absolutely definitely recommended by the boys yeah for sure yeah. recommended by the boys i am liking time loop movies uh, there's more and more i was very yeah. pleasantly surprised by a map of tiny perfect things it's much more really? of like the you know the zoomer <laughs> version of this okay a little okay. more positive the characters are a younger age and so they talk about their future a lot like high school drama yeah gotcha but okay. it was surprisingly okay. really good i like edge nice. of tomorrow tom cruise and emily blunt that was a good action movie. <laughs> yeah, they get my butt in the theater seat, those two. Yeah. Whatever they're I felt like that was one of Tom Cruise's better oh, okay. performances as well. I just felt like uh, that was a good role to be in. I don't know. That was a good movie. Yeah. More complex. Yeah. Yeah, more for Tom Cruise. Mm-hmm. So, why do you guys think um, that there has been such a resurgence or revivification of the, the time loop genre? in recent times truly why why do you think like people are now really getting hooked on these sorts of films i think groundhog day 
Why do you say guys? I'm just kidding. <laughs> you said capitalism. That's his answer to everything. I asked him why uh, in, a, in an earlier, you know, review of something. I was like, Isaac, why is Howard the Duck such a bad movie? He's like capitalism. Capitalism. <laughs> that did it. Oh man, that's good. <laughs> Leave it to the MCU. Leave it to the Californian. <laughs> yeah, <the> California. <laughs> uh, liberal. Oh man, that's funny. <laughs> <laughs> oh man. Uh, but yeah, well, I mean, a good question. I don't know. Even Isaac, though we joked think? about it, yeah, yeah. I, 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 I think know. Isaac's uh, kind of maybe not I, the broad blanket of capitalism. But I think there's no, definitely yeah, no, there's some critiques that the movie or the genre itself is making towards maybe the monotony of everyday life. I think so, yeah. And and also, like, just the more we discover about our universe, too, like, just scientifically, you know, in a way, it's it's sort of disappointing if you look at it in a certain sense. I think a lot of hmm. people look at it in more of an existential sense of, like, oh, we kind of figured out how the universe works. Hmm. We don't, you know, and it's kind now of what? disappointing, I guess. We figured yeah. out but where also, the universe works. What's God's address? <laughs> yeah, what's yeah. God's address? <laughs> But, you know, like we, we, you know, we, we know that, you know, like back in the day, I'm, I'm reading like Dante's Inferno and how they kind of understood the world, you know, the world and it's sure, more sure. centrism where mm-hmm. everything revolves around us. There, we are the central focus. There's yeah. meaning behind that. How fucking pretentious. Um, where, yeah, very pretentious. <laughs> but now we're kind of getting a vibe check of like, oh, we don't. You're like, just you know, the, the kind of motherfucker to talk about philosophy us. on a podcast. <laughs> 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 right, yeah. but you, you know it's like we we're, we're starting to understand like yeah not the world does not revolve around us we actually revolve mm-hmm. around you know the sun you know the sun doesn't revolve around the earth and you know oh we're not the main focus okay what's our purpose you know why are we mm-hmm. why are we doing this and oh evolution came about and we're like oh okay we're just we're just creatures that kind of just over time just gain consciousness or something so, sure. you know, in, in a way you can look at it from a, yeah, maybe more nihilistic or, or more, you know, existential that, but I don't know. I, I, I kind of also question that too. I'm like, well, you know, something's, you know, engineering all this and something's, you know, steering it. You know. I'm not, not to go sure. into Star Wars, but there is a, a <laughs> I'm not going to go into Star Wars. I'm not going to go Not to sound like Star Wars, but yes, you know, there's an overarching force, you know, physics, uh, something is causing all sure. this. So I, I don't know. I, I, I want to look at it more positively. You know, I guess I'm more, you know, uh, sure. of that character in, in, you know, Andy Samberg trying to figure it out and trying to, you know, I, I I look at it more of a bigger, broader picture myself, and that kind of helps me with my existentialism, I guess. Sure, but, sure. But uh, I don't know. It's not for everyone. I know a lot of people are a little disappointed on the reality of life. <laughs> I can oh, see why you'd like the, the map of tiny perfect things ending better. Yeah. yeah. When they find the meaning, that's when they get out. Whereas in this movie, yeah. even if they were to find meaning, that would not guarantee their escape. That yeah, and right. Sarah like, tried too. Like, she, did, she did. Yeah, she tried she the Groundhog Day solution. Change yeah. the character. And, yeah, yeah, a little bit. Yeah, yeah, she did. She she went that route. Yeah. But yeah. even at the end of the movie, they still um, kind of go through life together, still in, in the same existential mindset. 
you know, like they're they're still in the neighbor's pool, not really worrying about consequences. They kind of just, I don't know, accept it even in the real world too. Hmm. Um, so Interesting. I don't know, but yeah. So yeah, I, I definitely like the like even even Groundhog Day. I kind of even like you know that ending better of like finding meaning and you know being the guardian of everything, sure. and finding you know the positivity of of things. So that I I like that more, but it's yeah. not not everyone's cup of tea. That's I think fair, that answers but... your your question, Landon, as to what the yeah. resurgence is because yeah, Groundhog Day a... was so mm-hmm. original that people you know any other movie that featured a time loop was you know even we did it too in the last yeah. two weeks that we've been making these videos about time loop movies we've compared them all to Groundhog Day. Yeah. <laughs> but now <laughs> there are yeah. much more movies um, which they even talked about during the production of this movie that there was just some you know some sudden renaissance of of the genre the subgenre mm-hmm. weird thing. Like yeah. we talked about in the rest of the movies, each one has its own interpretation. I don't think time loop is its own genre, really. It's more of like a storytelling sure. tool. Okay. Okay. Um, that, yeah, yeah, yeah. I can and, get behind that. Yeah. So time loop, yeah. and it's not, you know, a concept beholden to Groundhog Day. <laughs> uh, yeah. And, yeah. you know, more people started to realize that and what they saw that they could take the story in different directions. Groundhog yeah. Day had, you know, its lesson. Map of Tiny Perfect Things had its its moral this one has, you know, the existentialist uh, exploration of the whole thing and sort of the philosophies behind that storytelling device. Mm-hmm. And yeah. then Naked was Naked was really bad. Naked was oh, just Naked. Great. Naked, <laughs> How can we, naked, naked totally philosophy it, was uh, yeah. time loop and uh, your main focus was being naked. And being it was funny. Naked, yeah. Naked okay. is, yeah. If you liked Palm Springs... <laughs> Palm Springs is, you know, what I consider to be sort of the peak of the the weird genre. <laughs> naked, is, I, yeah. Yeah, naked, naked is Groundhog Day or Palm Springs monster. without the funny bits and Marlon Wayne's ass. <laughs> okay. Yep. I don't know if I want to watch this. <laughs> no, you do. You want to watch. Okay. It. <laughs> okay. And for those who don't want to watch it, you want to listen to our previous review on it because that. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Don't forget to download it. <laughs> don't for, don't forget to like and subscribe. Don't forget to, don't like, forget and to like and subscribe to our podcast. I suppose to, to top off the, the discussion, I have a sure. question for you. What would you do if you were stuck in an infinite time loop? Man, that would be tricky. Um, I don't know. I don't know what I would do. Because I, I like having like a schedule in that sense even if it may be monotonous, like a time loop, there's always slight deviations. And I guess in that sense, there would be no consequence in a time loop, at least to my conscious understanding. If there is like a multiverse, <laughs> sucks to be those Landons. Yeah. Yeah, I think probably like, like we've seen in the films, I tried to want to get out. Um, I don't know. Yeah. I, yeah, I try to get out. I don't know how. I guess that's, you know, that's a movie yeah, in the I don't making. I think I would be smart enough to figure it out. <laughs> if it's something like, like Palm I, Springs, I fuck no, dude. But I mean, <laughs> we got all the time yeah. in the world, so maybe. I guess you could. True. Probably before I learned the physics about it, I'd probably learned some other really niche skill. Mm-hmm. Like I just, just some dumb, day, yeah. Like just, I'd almost you know, try to just learn everything. Fucking alligator wrestling. Might as well. I mean, you can check out any book you want. You can read wherever yeah. you want. You can, uh, I don't know. you can do so much shit. I think we had a much different interpretation of the opportunities that Time Loop presents. <laughs> first thought was any book you want. I think one of my first thoughts was 
just definitely <laughs> acts of terror. Acts of terror. As a well, <laughs> as a citizen of the fair. Denver metro area, I find you know Killdozer to be a local hero, <laughs> and I could certainly try and emulate that. I'm gonna look up Killdozer. Uh, real quick. You haven't heard of Killdozer? Uh-uh. You guys haven't heard what? of Killdozer? He's a he's a sort of a local hero. He's a man of the people. He was just fucked over by like his bank and his landlord. He was he owned like a car shop or something. Is this that the dude that took an ATM? Uh, I, this is the no. dude who took like a I forget what it was. I think it was like a some construction vehicle. Oh my god! Like, and he made a tank and he turned it into a tank and he just was like <laughs> and he just drove through the business like the banks and just everything that this ruined was a, him. This was a cry for help. That wow. In a, in a, in <laughs> yeah, this is just one of the many multiverses. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> well, he's stuck. Oh yeah. man, how strange! <laughs> but yeah, I think that that poses a good question. Definitely um, try and sleep with you know Isaac. What? Also, yeah, yeah. Oh, I, I mean, we, sure. we talk yeah. about like, um, god damn it. <laughs> um, <laughs> oh man, too good. Thank you. Uh, Wow, I dread that sleepwalking, Isaac. Anyways, uh, anyway, <laughs> uh, but also I, I think there, is, in some semblance too, we we think we have all these all this opportunity to do everything, but really there are some I don't know there are some limitations, you know, due to like traveling or or due to you know certain things that you can't get done in a day. Um, I, I don't know. I'm trying to like think of examples, but like if you're you're wanting to, yeah, I, I think they did it in Tiny Perfect Scene. They were flying to, you know, they were they're flying internationally, but they hit the time zone, so they couldn't time it right, and and they they just end up, mm. you know, waking back up in America. So I don't know. There's certain like limitations, unfortunately, that you wouldn't be able to like. I don't know. Sure, it seems uh, like with Palm Springs too, the mechanic is that as soon as you close your eyes or die. Like as yeah. soon as you go to sleep. Yeah, right, yeah. Yeah, yeah. It was that, the same was, in Groundhog Day. Yeah, in Tiny Perfect Things, yeah. it was when the clock struck midnight, the uh, same huh. sort of on the schedule yeah. principle applied to mm-hmm. naked. Oh. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Interesting. But with that said, I suppose I would prefer the one where you would have to close your eyes or die to wake up. Because yeah. in Palm Springs, Andy Samberg one time smoked a bunch of crystal meth and made it all the way to Equatorial New Guinea. Uh-huh. So I think if you just got into meth, you could probably get a lot more done. And your, you know, your brain chemistry uh, resets at the start of the next day, so you wouldn't be addicted to anything. (laughs) Mm -hmm. (laughs) If I was in the time loop, I'd just use heroin. (laughs) I'd just use heroin. (laughs) (laughs) You know, now that I think about it, with time zones, is there a specific, I I don't know. I guess it works kind of different in every movie as to what applies to that. Sure. The need of the plot. It is mm-hmm. really, yeah, the time yeah. loop is just sort of a plot device for yeah. whatever the yeah. story is they want to tell. I think yeah. with the, the idea, too, of just the time loop, the mechanic, I guess, what would you call that? Time loop device? Like a film yeah. device? Yeah, sort of but, a storytelling yeah. device. I think it kind of serves as a as a greater purpose for kind of the masses in the sense that we do kind of live monotonous lives the more we grow up. I mean, we're going to be working nine to fives, 40 hours a week. Like we're going to be living the same day more or less over and over and over again. Um, so I think some of these movies have a very kind of profound examination of kind of our everyday life, if that makes sense. Um, not so much, you know, we're not news reporters or we're not having a wedding, but, you know, every day more or less for us is is relatively the same as we work and kind of live our lives. 
And so I think it's an interesting commentary too, kind of on the human, the the human condition in the sense we're like, we're, we, we grow up. uh, And then once we reach a certain age, we're pretty much into adulthood where we work a job until we retire. And it's that kind of, you know, that's a, that's a time loop of our own in that sense. So yeah, that does bring up a question I wanted to ask you. Uh, So the time loop, you know, the day-to-day lives that we live in or the Mm -hmm. time loop device in a movie, it's, you know, just sort of shows the meaninglessness of the universe around us. Hmm. Uh, And it's, you know, within those constraints that you have to find your own meaning and whatnot Mm -hmm. within what Albert Camus, Camus, whatever, the guy who did absurdism. (laughs) Yeah. stated In his book, you must imagine that Sisyphus is happy. You know, the myth of Sisyphus, the man who has to push the boulder up and chase it back down. He says that in those moments when the boulder is rolling down and he's chasing it, he's free from the labor, from the task described to him. He is no longer the, uh, as John Paul Cart would have put it, whatever the fuck it is, the thing that is the the being in itself. That's what it is. He's no longer a being in itself. The guy pushing the boulder. He's a being of himself again. And so he says that Sisyphus is sort of the absurdist hero and that... Hmm. You imagine that Sisyphus oh, is happy and try to be like Sisyphus. What are your thoughts on that? Man, that's interesting. Um, <laughs> yeah, that's, a, that's, a, that's a weird Assume Sisyphus yeah, is happy. Okay. When Assume the Sisyphus is happy. In, well, let me in ask the story you. Is when you've worked hell. a long-ass shift from <laughs> 9 to 5, <laughs> are you, you happy to fucking go home? <laughs> are you happy to go home and and take that responsibility off your shoulders? I don't know. Now I'm starting to question whether or not this bit was written by Albert Camus or if it was like edited by Jeff Bezos or something. <laughs> you should be happy. In the yeah. You must <laughs> find joy in yeah. rewriting her. Because that's all you got. <laughs> sure, sure. All you got. Well, I don't know. Maybe after a while, it just, I don't think we have enough study on the human psychology of like what our brains will how we would function you know if we're if we're in our jobs like millions of years from now i don't know maybe we'll find monotonous pleasure in it i don't know but yeah but, I what you guys thoughts were because the movie you know andy samberg is kind of the absurdist hero in this he is he is yeah. that's true yeah uh, but in the movie happy Sisyphus. <laughs> yeah his idea is also presented as the wrong one yeah what were you guys thoughts on that absurdism um, as mm-hmm. a as a whole yeah, I'm not entirely sure how I how I feel about absurdism. I feel like I need to research it more to generate um, um, an articulated opinion on what it. The fuck, are you here? But <laughs> hey, man, I I'm a I like stoicism. That's my philosophy. I like to study, but um, wasn't a lot of that in Palm Springs. No, not a, not really at all. <laughs> Which is fine. <laughs> I'm sure there's going to be that, another is that your time. Meaning, Landon, is that what you find in stoicism? How you find purpose. Uh, yeah, I'd say so in a sense. Yeah. Um, a lot of stoicism is kind of the, um, acceptance and acknowledgement that death is like a natural part of life. Uh, it's like the inevitable consequence of living that you will. Yeah. Well, that's, I, I think Jediism it derives, uh, from stoicism, I think. Yeah. But yeah, going back, I guess, to the question of absurdism, I, yeah, I don't know. Um, it's a strange, <laughs> I think it is a strange philosophy and I do see the argument or the critique that it is in a sense, kind of a sloppy extension of existentialism, um, perhaps to an extreme degree of existentialism, but 
I don't know. Let me. Yeah, yeah maybe I don't know. Maybe absurdism is. Let me the get result. back to you. <laughs> this uh, is a... existentialism or the acceptance of existentialism. It's yeah. more of the results and what you more of the actions or I I, I don't know. Um, this yeah. is a this is an MP3 podcast, so there's no visuals. But in the in the video <laughs> webcam we just see it right now, as I asked Landon this question, his lens is lit up with the Google <laughs> screen. He's like, "Let me, uh, yeah, let me, let well, me just... for real, let me let me do some research on it." You know? Well, it, yeah. If stoicism is accepting death as a part Maybe of, let pull that up. There's definitely none in Palm Springs since they can't die. Exactly. Exactly. That's a huge facet of stoicism. Okay. So what are you saying? <laughs> Oh. I'm laughing at Landon's response to the question. Yeah. He's like, uh, and then the, oh, line, the, the Google lights up. <laughs> <That's> hilarious. <laughs> yeah, no. Let me, uh, I'm on Wikipedia now, boys. Be with no, you shortly. Yeah. No, I, I, I just think, yeah, I think, I think he's right. Absurdism is a result of existentialism because absurdism is just like, yeah, you know, it just doesn't follow rules. It just doesn't accept. I suppose in a vacuum. You know, absurdism would grow from existentialism we saw sam sure. he talked sure, about sure, he sure. made many attempts he even brought up when she was asking about the multiverse and he's sarcastic he's like oh yeah sure i've never thought about the multiverse yeah yeah, like, <laughs> yeah you know, maybe he's been there the start, he's at the end of the road pretty much yeah absurdism yeah. is like the end of the road of ex- uh, existentialism you know mm-hmm. everything yeah. else yeah. has failed yeah. it's like the giving up version of it so the absurd rises out of the fundamental disharmony between the individual search for meaning and the meaningless of the universe. Well, do you guys think there needs to be a meaning in the universe? And this is, I guess, more a nihilistic question or, or query. So, yeah. Well, the meaning generated by people, that's just known. Meaning is generated by people, for people sure. People have a need. Mm-hmm. Okay. Need so and, uh, whether it's essential in, or not, it's present. and Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. That's fair. That's valid. Yeah, and, That's valid. And, uh, yeah, and I, I think going back, I think we talked about it uh, a while ago, um, just about the collective unconscious, and I don't know, just yeah. how we <laughs> when we went camping. Know, uh, <laughs> yeah, when we were camping that one time. Yeah. yeah. Camping mm-hmm. um, <laughs> but yeah, uh, I, I don't know. I, I think it's just really, it's just a, I don't know. I think I think it comes down to our primal fears and our primal survival mm-hmm. of like we. We want to be on top of the food sure. chain. We're striving to, to, to be on top and, and yeah, to have meaning. I mean, that's, that's kind of like our ultimate, that's like the ultimate thing in, in a human perspective is mm-hmm. a greater purpose if, of some sort. Yeah, if you are, if you are, yeah, if you are, if you are at, if you had purpose at the top, at the very top, I mean, you are, you, you are, you are safe. You will survive. Like no, mm-hmm. no matter what, you know what I mean? It's a, it's a survival instinct, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, just a more that's heightened fair. one than that's other sure. other animals in the animal kingdom. That's just we're, we're very mm-hmm. evolved and heightened. In that Isn't that on yeah. Maslow's hierarchy of needs, the belonging? Oh, yeah, I think so. Yeah. What do we got here? But um, I wanted to go back to the idea of absurdism. How it? Um, yeah, two, three. It's between the individual search for meaning in a meaningless universe, um, and I guess. I think it's inherent that humans always look for meaning in whatever we do, or at least did. Um, now with a more nihilistic culture, I think that's becoming more and more scarce. But <sighs> this is this is just a. I like this. I think it's <laughs> complex. <laughs> yeah. Uh, you're gonna cry there. I, I suppose, like the <laughs> yeah. It's just um, yeah. I feel like absurdism really plays off the 
presupposition that the universe is meaningless. Um, yeah, because if there wasn't any meaning, if there wasn't uh, an over, I don't know. Sure, over, uh, if the universe rules, had like a concrete meaning of some sort, yeah, concrete, we likely it, wouldn't it have wouldn't absurdism. Absurd. It, would be, uh-huh. it would be more of a concretism. Or a more, yeah, concretism, exactly. Concretism, hey. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it wouldn't be absurd. It wouldn't, it wouldn't because uh, absurdism it would doesn't be have quite any rules. Absurd. Yeah, it would, it would so. be absurd. Did you say? <laughs> it would be absurd. <laughs> it would be no dude, absence I use absurd. That. Somebody we, just does we, some uh, like normal shit. I'm gonna be like, that's absurd as fuck. Very absurd of you. Yeah. <laughs> Writing in your planner, I see. Yeah. <laughs> that's yeah. good. Well, Taryn, what do you think of absurdism in general? And um, I guess, like, what are your personal philosophies? I know we've talked about it a couple of times, but uh, a, a I think it's fun time. to yeah talk about. Intrinsically, is there an objective it? meaning to the universe? Uh, after watching Howard the Duck, I would say no. <laughs> <laughs> Fascism. Uh, people's need for meaning is found in other people. People give each other meaning. Maybe huh. they wouldn't recognize it at first, but you know the concepts of religion and myth all came from people. Yeah, not an individual. I think. Yeah, that's a yeah, good point. They found meaning in you know things that they have created themselves and together. And that's explored well in Palm Springs, you know, Andy Samberg surrounded by a world of not other people. And also in John Paul Sartre's book, you know, even he says it as well, you know, searching for meaning in, in the world around you and the things of, of being. I always forget the fuck they're called. The being in itself? The beings in being, itself, yes. The beings in itself, world around you. Uh, he says that, you know, people don't find meaning in those things. They just sort of become those things. Yeah. They just, yeah, sort of project those things onto themselves or themselves another thing mm-hmm. uh it's only when people you know meet with other people that they find actual meaning hmm. uh, other people seeking meaning it's that that search that is the meaning which i think um melody's character of sarah embodies as well her meaning is getting out even if it's not guaranteed she will even if it's sure you know it's not she's her- willing to blow herself up to try <laughs> Like she's, yeah. she's, <laughs> he is wearing yeah. a C four vest at the end of the movie. <laughs> yeah, she's yeah. yeah. I really feel she's bad for that goat. Like, yeah, yeah. Where did that goat, goat go? Into but then gone. she used it for. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, but that was my interpretation of both the film and from all the readings I've done about sure. Uh, is yeah. that it's the that's the human condition is the mutual search for meaning. It's something only humans share with one another. Yeah, I don't think the universe really has meaning to offer other than what people make of it I'm, yeah i'd be inclined to agree with you there i'm taking the 4d uh, four-dimensional approach i, I think there's a, a, a overarching uh, isaac, meaning we just don't see it yet isaac searches the stars <laughs> nightly for a millennium falcon to pull up I do, yeah. <laughs> like luke and tatooine when he's like looking at the multiple <laughs> moons yeah uh, that's yeah Something yeah, out there. <laughs> yeah. I, I, looking I, I at the two sons, Isaac looks like at like our, some, some hobo yeah, fight on the yeah. LA streets. Well, the, <laughs> yeah. I, I feel like Star Wars still limited. <laughs> um, <laughs> hey, hey, just my hair. Like we're gonna fucking tweak each other. Yeah. I feel like our, our, I just feel like our discoveries of the universe are just still not like we'll never, under, we'll never see like the end results of our universe. So I, 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 sure. I, I don't think there's, yeah. we can't oh, really man. prove there's not something out there, but. And that is, nothing. yeah, that is itself the biggest critique of 
absurdism. It's like we yeah. don't at the end of the day, we don't know what we don't know. You can't be sure that we'll never know it. Exactly. Yep. And yeah. that is yeah. Yeah. I think I've I like the hopeful. Yeah. I, I'm I read, a more optimistic I person, but <laughs> a little yeah. more of that existentialist. He he has more like what Sarah has, or like I'm mm-hmm. not gonna yeah. you know, give up because Sandberg decided to. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. I like that. I read. I'm not, gonna, a, um, I'm not gonna give up because the boys are giving up right right now. The yeah. <laughs> Diamond <laughs> hands. Always want to be nihilistic. DME to the moon. About it. I will watch yeah. Howard the Duck every day as long as it takes. I will play. As long as it takes to fight war as the cartel <laughs> many times in a row. Same. Honestly, I. I, I don't blame you for having that outlook, Karen. After all <laughs> the things, yeah, I've put you through with this podcast. The monotony of day to day. My yeah, my my day to day loop is just the worst <laughs> entertainment medium yeah, that there can is, find. Yeah. There is no spark of hope in Taryn's life. I'm so sorry. Oh, wow, <laughs> that took a turn, folks. <laughs> that took a turn. <laughs> that took a turn. Uh, oh, this man. will be the final episode of the Good, the Bad, and the Bad <laughs> podcast. <laughs> final. As we all just decide to, yeah, move uh, to let's the, just move on. Just move into the Alps, and become like hermits. Yeah, gonna fucking uh, found our own temple in the Colorado Rockies. Isaac's like living in the Hollywood Rocky Mountain Monastery. Yeah. <laughs> I um, I read this uh, book. You guys know Stephen King, right? Thanks. But I was I read this book called The Gunslinger by Stephen King, and it's like a. It's like his magnum opus. It's part of like a seven part book mm. series that he has. But towards the end of the book they have a he has a really cool monologue with the antagonist. He's called the Man in Black. And he's like this mystical wizard like figure. He like brings people back from the dead. He plants traps that are spells kind of in the path as like the, the protagonist is trying to hunt him down. But finally the, the protagonist catches up to him and he's pretty much talking about well, he wants to know about this thing called the Dark Tower. And it's pretty much like at the center of every world is the Dark Tower. I considered doing this movie for one of the bad movies. Oh, <laughs> yeah. This is it's one a of the... shit movie. It is, it is an yeah. absolute garbage movie. But the, the books well, are well worth the read, in my opinion. But anyway, so... Yeah, I have the talks... first one. I'm ready to read it. Oh, yeah, dude. Then you got to read it. it yeah, yeah, it's so good. Don't worry, Landon. Oh, yeah. You'll see your recommendation come up on this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> Great. Um, but yeah, so he talks to the man in black. And the man in black responds with him through a monologue saying that, like, the greatest mystery of life is not life itself, but size. And he takes the, like the analogy. No. <laughs> he takes the <laughs> analogy of, like, a chick in an egg. And picture the chick breaking out of that egg, just as we inevitably will try to peck out of what we perceive as the observable universe. And what does that chick find outside the egg? A vast new world full of different things that had never been conceived before by the chicken take a fish being pulled out of its blue existence well take a fish yeah take a fish being pulled out of you know the blue lake and how this blue existence has now been turned upside down as it's yanked from from its cozy home into a new world with bipeds uh in in an environment that suffocates it what would we find at the end of our universe would we find a, a door? <laughs> would we would we have to crack out of it much like the chick would for an egg? It's not life itself that is baffling, but the, the sheer size of what we're living in. Because if that is the case, if we are kind of this chicken and egg, who's to say we're not an atom on the tip of a pen? 
who's to say that our entire existence, because size is so grand and so minimal in, in every aspect of science, that we could be on this pen tip. And with one fell stroke, I could have just eliminated, you know, millions of existences in that regard. Um, I don't know where I was going with this. That's an interesting perspective. <laughs> Are you talking about but, again? God yeah, damn no, it. No, 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 no. <laughs> Palm Spring. But, no, Palm Spring, but size. That's, that's what defeats us. Oh, yeah. That's what Honestly, baffles us the most. Yeah. Not necessarily meaning, but the in, incomprehensible size. We are so small in the grand scheme. How could there not be something greater than us out there? Well, maybe Palm Springs is a, I don't know, um, a, a warning about, about yeah, what, what Landa just said about the go too far outside the, the realms of uh, existence and, and whatnot. And I guess Andy Samberg, yeah, I don't know. Maybe it's just a warning. Yeah, I don't think we want hmm. to. So be don't be like Niles. <laughs> a lot of these yeah. time loop movies that we've seen go kind of out of their way to establish the setting as intentionally small. In Groundhog Day, there was the blizzard that keeps him in town. So not only is he trapped yeah. in the same day, he's trapped, he's in, trapped the same in the town. town. Mm-hmm. In Edge of Tomorrow, if Tom Cruise gets too far from the group, the aliens can pin him down and like suck the time resetting out of him. Yeah. So he has to you know, hustle all through fucking Omaha Beach and get everything right. Mm-hmm. It's within his confine, he's within his constraints in the map of Tiny Perfect Things. They never leave that one town except for the one scene where they fail to escape. And even in Palm Springs, they're in like a resort in the middle of the desert. Palm Springs, yeah, California. One of yeah. the first things we talked yeah. about uh, when we started, you know, recording this was that they're the only color in this lifeless universe. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, it is intentionally tiny. And on the movies about them breaking out of that, a quote from Andy Samberg in an interview where he was talking about the characterization and sort of the script writing of the movie. Mm-hmm. Uh, he says the, the phrase the writer told him that stuck with him the most was that they're stuck. And they're stuck. <laughs> they're, huh. they're stuck within the time loop, and they're also stuck within them, themselves. But that may be another reason that you know these movies may be growing in popularity, and that existentialism is. And same thing with the themes of absurdism, and that the and what you guys talk about the hero's journey, that failure or that hesitation to cross mm-hmm. over. Yeah, the uh, refusal to return. We are kind of on yeah. the cusp of breaking that. Uh, what space calls like the great filter, becoming yeah. you know sort of a next mm-hmm. level civilization you know escaping our tiny blue planet that's all we've known up to this point people mm-hmm. will are, you know probably within the next few decades be on mars the moon so cool. holographic <laughs> shall yeah be dispersed so this is just sort of like a it is kind of like a barrier it's a, a you know we're about to we're coming it to the end of a plateau and we're about yeah. to start going up the hill again either we're gonna drop or yeah we're gonna head up yeah or keep going up mm-hmm. uh and, you know, just like Andy Samberg, a lot of people have hesitation about mm-hmm. moving forward. Oh, absolutely. Well, I think that's one thing that um, the hero's journey captures perfectly well is like the individual in the sense that like most most movies, most films you see, they're, people are very unsure of themselves. Uh, I think for the most part, I would say Sarah is the, the hero in this film, or yeah. at least the, the protagonist. And Niles is more kind of like the Han Solo. Like he's been here, yeah. done that, you know, like he's, he's the experienced yeah. mentor that Sarah needs to kind of get through this special world. He's kind of like the antagonist yeah. too. Cause he's the voice in her ear. That's like telling her to just give up. Yeah. Oh yeah, absolutely. Yeah. To give in. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Wow, dude, this is fun. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> this, yeah. is, this is great. Yeah. yeah. That, that was, was great. That was wild. Wild movie, wild premise. Uh, mm-hmm. Lots of yeah. wild, wild podcast. Am I right? Wild, wild podcast. Ray boys. 
<laughs> and here I was just thinking I'd be talking wow. about camera angles. Yeah, nah. Right. Get, yeah, nah, get deep going, here. Deep right shit. into it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Our, <laughs> human condition. Our audience of uh, of just uh, movie of podcast listeners <laughs> slash my mom. <laughs> Quite surprised. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, this is uh, this is gonna be a real shocker. <laughs> I think so. <laughs> All right. Well, any other revelations from Palm Springs, boys? Um, I know uh, this goes without saying, but spoiler alert. <laughs> <laughs> Probably should have done that at the beginning. But, we uh, do this every episode. There may be yeah, we, three we, episodes out of the three so far. Wow. <laughs> yeah. Where we were like spoilers ahead. Okay, fair enough. But yeah, I guess like, first of all, thank you guys for having me on the podcast. This has been a very cool experience. Um, And it makes me want to do podcasting more. Um, I have have a channel. I've only uploaded one thing, but it's called Fast Food for Thought. If you guys want to check that out. Is that on Pornhub? No, it's on SoundCloud. (laughs) But it's it's pretty much food for thought under 10 minutes. Fast food for thought. That's the the whole gimmick. Uh But um, check that out. yeah. Yeah. But but for real, yeah. Thank you guys for having me on. Yeah, um, thank you for awesome. Being yeah, yeah. Thank you for your insight. awesome awesome movie awesome. choice. Yeah, I thoroughly enjoyed. Like you know, some movies you're like, okay, it's almost like a homework assignment. You just got to do it to so you can talk about it, buddy. That's been everything I've watched. <laughs> oh, <laughs> I'm the bad but, movie guy. <laughs> oh, <laughs> yeah. I've been twenty yeah. hours to change that up a bit. Fallout seventy six yeah. for review. I know. Yeah, <laughs> that is true. <laughs> but like. This was seriously, this was an enjoyable film to delve into. And it was just very fun to kind of pick apart and um, have fun with, I guess. Yeah, it definitely added something new to to what Mm -hmm. we're familiar with. Yeah, it's great. We'll explore more in in that genre. Mm -hmm. Awesome. Yeah. Thanks again, Landon. Thanks for diving into all the philosophy of things. And yeah. Thank you guys for having me. Best of luck in your lectures and studies. Uh, (laughs) Last semester, yeah. dude. Semester. Last semester. Yeah, Have fun. Bring it on. If you mm-hmm. find any, you know, cool college lecture videos, feel free to send them to Isaac. Yeah, I will. Thank I've you. got a couple already. If you're interested, I can okay. send them over tonight. Probably play games. <laughs> Thanks for tuning in, everybody. <laughs> <laughs> we'll catch you on Monday. Woo, Monday. See you, uh, see you Monday. All right. <laughs> all right. Monday or today. All right. Fuck me. <laughs>Be sure to hit us up on social media or our email address. We'll have all that linked below the episode here. The boys will literally talk about anything pop culture with anyone. If you listen to our last episode, we talked about the Burgess verse and how to turn a teen rom-com character into a superhero villain of the fourth dimension for like 20 minutes. We just talked to it. This, this fucking hobo, we, Landon, we found on the street for an hour and a half about the philosophy of a Lonely Island movie. So, uh, be sure to check out our other interview with Joe Sinabria, the concept artist for Fallout New Vegas, and any other industry insiders we may be talking to in the future about all things technical. We just love talking shop. Thank you so much for tuning in. We'll see you guys on Monday. Kiss, kiss.